portrays dad on TV. I know that in the 60s, now, if you went live in the 60s, you know, get, get that old Channel 44, whatever it is, out of St. George, and they show all these old programs of these um, uh, TV uh, sitcoms, or literally sitcoms. They were Father's Knows Best, what are they, The Donna Reed Show, My Three Sons, Leave It to Beaver. And dads were protated as very smart and full of wisdom. And they had all the answers in those shows, didn't they? But today, what are, how are dads portrayed? They're portrayed like the like an idiot that don't know how to take care of their kids alone. They don't know how to cook anything. Of course, I think that's learned, a learned thing there. I think they do that on purpose, ladies, just so you know. And they don't know how to clean without special instructions. That's the way the world sees dads from the time I grew up as a kid. To now, we got dads as idiots versus dads as in, in smart, intelligent, and full of wisdom. And the kids grew up to respect them and appreciate their leadership that they had. But we're missing that today. And some of that is our fault because we've allowed it to happen. We've allowed them to portray that and say, well, I'm not allowing it. You are if you're watching those shows where you're making your, the men look like idiots because they're not. My husband is the most smart, smartest man alive. And he's married to the smartest woman alive. <laughs> because I acknowledge that. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. And so, and ladies, if your husbands are helping you around the house, don't nitpick it. Because they're not going to do it the way that you do it. They're going to do it their way. And if you nit nitpick it, they won't do it again. Because they don't like to be buddy beat up over anything. And I guarantee you, who cares whether the corners of the room got swept good enough. Who cares? If you have company, just throw a uh, thing in the corner. Nobody will see it. <laughs> or buy you one of those uh, round vacuum cleaner things that you got. You turn on, it automatically sweeps the house. That'll help that problem out. But our, our society, and I'll get the word out here in a minute, they put men down, and they've kind of relegated them to nothing more than sperm donors. And ladies, or guys, just for a little, little note here, there's nothing sexier than a man in an apron. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> and so our society, that's what we're, we're dealing with in the world that we live in. And I don't like the society the way we have it because men are relegated and so there's no order, there's no, no love actually in the family anymore because they've decimated the families. Now, most males can provide the biological material to father a child. That's biology. But it takes a real man to be a father. It takes more than just doing that. Because a father and a male are two different things. And if you had the opportunity to be raised by a father, or you know an uncle or someone else, a grandpa or whatever it is, that, that showed you what a dad was, then you understand that. I feel bad for those that don't. Now, divorced dads don't even have a fighting chance of getting custody of their children because it's so overweighted towards the woman. And, I, you know, I understand that to a certain degree, but that uh, prejudice was more during the 60s era than it is today. And uh, there are men that get, get custody of their, of their kids, and, but it's harder. Now, too many dads don't see their roles as important. And if they don't see the roles as important, 
It's not going to be important. So all they got to do is go to work and come home. That's it. That isn't what God's called you to do. God wants you to have a home where the father is, is in charge. Now, too many kids are growing up without a dad in the home. Now, I'd rather have a real father raise a child than I would just, just somebody that provided the biological material because of that. I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. Having kids don't make you a dad. And we need to understand that. And we need to reinforce that to our society. Our society. Man, I'm having trouble with that word this morning. Just brush my teeth, can't do a thing with my mouth. Anyway, almost 40% of our kids don't have a real father in the home. And that is the reason we have so much dysfunction in our homes. It's because of that. We don't really know why. They said that we don't know what's the matter with our kids. We don't know what happened in this world. We don't know what's going on with our nation. Well, that's the, one of the biggest in-your-face reasons is because of that. It made it too easy for the dads to walk away and not care. And uh, it, a lot of the reason they don't care is because we have not made them uh, realize they need to care. And they hold them accountable. Now, immorality and adultery are excused because they say they have a sex addiction. I didn't even know that was a disease until lately. Have you? There aren't, there aren't, and it's just amazing because that's what they use. They get caught doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Well, I'm a this addict. I'm a that addict. That, because we think that somehow that justifies the behavior. And we as a society let them get away with it instead of holding them accountable. And as long as they can get away with it, they're going to do it. Kids do. You let your kids get away with things, what are they going to do? They're going to take advantage every chance they get. Now, <clears throat> men and women are different. How many know that? If you haven't found that out to be true, it, we, it is. I don't care what, it doesn't make any difference. We're different. God made us different. I know that society's tried to, tried to show us that it's okay. You don't need dad and mom. And we have an a epidemic of my two dads and my two moms. Because society thinks, well, it doesn't make any difference. Well, it does make a difference. I know that there, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, a book came out called My Two Moms. Any of you familiar with us older people are? And that was kind of when this kind of a lifestyle hit the front pages, if you will. Well, now the girl that that uh, story or book was written about has grown up. And she said, you know, I really missed having a dad. I missed so much in my life. Girls need a dad. Boys need a dad. Boys need a mom. Boys need a dad. How do I know that? Because that's the way God created us. If he didn't, you know, it'd been just as easy for God just to create men and find a way for, it to, for the race to propagate. He could have done that, couldn't he? But he didn't want to. He wanted us to make us different to complement each other. Because that's what he wanted. That was his will. He didn't call us to be, he didn't create Adam and Eve. He created, I can't let Adam and Eve not have, man, I'm having trouble this morning here. Woo! Lord, in Jesus' name, I rebuke this mouth. <laughs> Thank you. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. I know that is something that we've heard years and years and years ago, but it still remains true. And I'm thankful that God does it. Society tries to tell us that kids turn out just as well without having a dad and a mom. But the, how can they? We can in a church environment 
because the men, men of God, they stand up and they help out. They help the boys that don't have dads around. That's what we're doing. See, we're a family here. If you don't know that this is a family, you need to learn that. So you may not have a dad in your home, but we've got a lot of dads in this house. I mean, in this church. We've got a lot of moms in this house or in this church. And we understand that if you don't, God will provide it for somebody to help you. Because that's what we're here for. After trying to force us to accept same-sex marriage, you don't know what the next thing on the line is going to be? You, well, you don't need a mom or a dad, either one. You just have the kids in a test tube, and then we'll t- the government will take them, and we'll raise the kids for you, because we know what's best for them, don't we? We're seeing that now, aren't we? Common Core? I don't know how they even understand that Common Core stuff. It is so confusing. It's ridiculous, and the kids don't even understand it. So, but they're doing it, and if we don't stand up and do something, they're going to take over every area of our life. And then pretty soon, all we got to do is go to work and give the money to, to the government, because that's what they want. But fathers need to be reinstated to the place that God intended you to be in. Amen. Colossians 3, 18 to 20. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now, this is the only verse that a lot of men know. In the world, you ask them, they know this verse. But the reality is, see, they're missing part of it. They got the submit part. But they forget about the as fitting in the Lord, or as unto the Lord. That means if God wouldn't be pleased, you can't do it. If your husband wants you to do something that's immoral, you're not required under God to do it. This verse doesn't give you having to do those kind of things. He says, as unto the Lord. And we need to understand that. Husbands, when you do your thing, the wives will willingly do what God wants them to do. Of course, children obey your parents. We already know that, don't we? We want them to obey us. But they want to do what we do, not what we say. That should be what, what, our, our, what we need to do. Now, God's model for the home is the husband is to be the head. Now, this doesn't mean he's a dictator. God didn't call the man in the family to be a dictator. Submit is a willing something the wife willingly does. If the man leads, then the wife can follow. If you're not leading, men, how do you expect somebody to follow you? You can't. And you can't push to get what you, well, you can, but it, it won't be willing. God wants the man to be the head of the family. And that's why he made it that way. And uh, now there's a, we have this in, in our house, I, how you do it in your house, it doesn't really matter. If we have a situation where we have a decision needs to be made, we discuss it. If I have a stronger feeling towards that one decision than he does, we'll do it my way. If he has a stronger position than I do, we'll do it his way. If we both have a strong position, we do it his way. And then, of course, ladies, we get to say, I told you so, right? No. <laughs> See, of course, I got, an extra, I got an extra bonus being the pastor as I say, Randy, this is your pastor speaking. I don't do that. Just, just in case I don't, some, I, don't, I don't pull out that card because it would not be under God and I can't do it. <laughs> So when we allow our husbands to be the head of the family or the head of the house, our lives as wives will be better, not worse. 
That's one of those things you don't really understand because it doesn't make any sense, but it will when you do it. When the man loves God, and he puts God first in his life, and then you're second, then the kids, don't get that order mixed up. Families have problems when they try to put the kids ahead of everything. And they, the kids are running around in a generation, and they're like little gods, and they're dictating everything to the family. Have you seen them in the stores? Man, I mine, 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 mine. And they want everything. And if you give them everything, hope you have a great big checking account because you're going to have to continue to do it the rest of your life. You need to have the right order. And when you do, God makes it work. So good men are good dads. Now being a good father is something that they pick up from their own dad. Father-son relationships are passed on to the next generation. And we've had a, a generation where we got a bunch of deadbeat dads. And so when deadbeat dads are deadbeats, what are they going to pass on to their children? So we have one generation that's kind of maybe 40% that way because we only have 40% dads in the home. Then we raise a, a, another generation. It's going to get worse, isn't it? Pretty soon we'll have 80%. We can't do that. We've got to raise our kids in the way God wants us to. And when you do that, God will let you uh, give you the wisdom to do it. Amen? A wife told her husband, you never tell me that you love me anymore. The husband responds, I told you 30 years ago when we got married that I love you. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. We know, and we laugh at that, but that's the reality of it. Guys just aren't raised with, with that idea in their mind. And that's the generation I was raised in. My dad never, he never, I remember the first time my dad kissed my mom goodnight, goodbye when, he had, when she had to go somewhere. And all us kids about fell out of our chairs. We'd never seen it before. We were shocked. Because dads don't do that. Fathers don't do that. Men don't do that. Real men don't cry. Who said so? Society. And so we have that generation of dads. That's the only thing I like about this generation, or the, our son's generation, is the fact that it's okay for men to cry. It's okay for men to say, I love you. My dad didn't tell us he loved us unless he drank too much. And there's something about that that they can get over all those inhibitions that you have in your life to be able to say some of the things that you really mean or some things that you don't want said. That's what's bad about drinking, people. It changes who you are. <laughs> and I don't want to apologize for anything. I don't want to wake up in the morning with a lampshade on my head. Or holding the porcelain throne. I have done that. I've been there. So I taught, I'm speaking from experience. It is not pleasant. So not having a dad or having a bad one doesn't mean you're destined not to be a good dad. Because God is the best father there is. And the God who is the best father there is, when you become a believer, lives in you. So the God that lives in you can help you be a good dad. So don't worry about it. Just commit your life to him and he'll take care of the other stuff. You can be the greatest dad in the world if you let God work in your life. And that's the secret. And the best dads leave a legacy of faith to their family. That's the thing the world can't pass on. But the believers 
they need to pass that on because if you pass on faith to your family, they can make it through this world no matter how bad it gets. And it's getting pretty bad, isn't it? And the only thing that's going to keep them is a faith in God. 1 Timothy 5.8 But if any man, any provide not for his own house, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now society has always been this way, and the Bible teaches this, that God is called to be the breadwinner. Now I know that there's some situations where the, because the, uh, the dad's gotten hurt and he can't work or different things that are going on with that, that. But that's okay because God will work through those situations. But basically, man, God didn't call you to stay home and make your wife go out and work. And then she comes home and then she has another job. That isn't God's will. Now I know that sometimes jobs are hard to find. But God will give you one if you want one. This church knows that. Even when there hasn't been jobs, God sees to it the men of this church get one. There can be 100 people vying for that job, and the person in this church will get it. Why? Because we expect him to give it to them. We believe God. Because he has told that's God's will, so he's going to fulfill it if it's his will, right? Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it from him. Kids, although you're not kids, they're on here today, but tell your kids it's in there. <laughs> you know what's amazing? Because kids, they grow up and they just don't have the maturity in their mind. They cannot see past this moment. So they take risks. I'm not kidding you. And some of the risks are terrible because when the, that risk has cost people their lives or they cost them their livelihoods cost them a lot of things because they can't see past the moment. That's why we, as parents, are required by God to teach them how to behave. Because if we don't, who will? And if you want your kids to be raised right and make right decisions, you're going to have to write them, whether they like it or not. They may hate you. I've had my kids tell me they hated me. Sheldon's told me he hated me. This lovely associate pastor we have here told his mom he hated me. <laughs> it's okay, parents. They may say that, but they don't mean it. And they're going to grow up one day, and they're going to be for your friend. But when you're, you're raising them, you aren't called to be their friend. You're called to be their parent. And if you can't stand up and be a parent, ask God to help you. Because if you don't discipline your kids, the jails will. I'd rather have the kids be disciplined by their dad than have to be disciplined in prison. Because it's that important for them. Now, I know that um, Bill Cosby, I know you, some of his old uh, kid movies that they had, uh, not kids movies, uh, talking about raising kids, in his Bill Cosby himself, I remember it was funny. I laughed and laughed because it's true. That's the way life is. He says, kids, when they grow, when you're, you tell them, don't do this. Do not do this. And you turn around and they're doing it. And you ask them why, and what do they say? I don't know. Bill Cosby says they have brain damage. <laughs> but it's up to us to make sure that we enforce those. When they say no, they say, you say no, and they try to say yes, you say no forcibly. They will live, they will survive if we do what we need to do. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not, do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. This verse tells you, Dad, if you don't discipline your child, you don't love them. You want to show how much you love your, your kids? Discipline them. I know that there's been a lot of kids, you know, they join gangs and they, they do all these things, get in trouble. Why? Because they're trying to, trying to get some feel like they belong. And they, want, they would just wish somebody loved them enough to discipline them. And if you're not doing it, you're going against God's word. And you will stand before God and give account one day. And if you haven't been doing this, you go to your kids and apologize. And then tell them that you're going to do better. And then do better. God will help you. I don't care if those kids are 50 years old. Do it. It'll be one of the best things that you can do as a dad. Uh, the movie Courageous was about police officers who were good at their jobs, but their homes are falling apart. So they made a decision to make their homes a priority, which resulted in a better home. Fireproof was about a man headed for a divorce who made a commitment to God and his wife and how that saved his marriage. A lot of Christian movies we watch are about the man stepping up to be the leader of his home and discipline. It takes discipline to pray, read your Bible, go to work, pay your bills. Are you teaching your children how to do those things? Are you living a disciplined life? If you're not, you're doing your kids a disservice and you don't love them. Jesus showed the greatest love possible when he laid down his life to save us. Fathers, you are to lay down your life, your desires, your personal interests for your family. My dad didn't work his whole life because he liked working. He did it to provide for his family. And that's how men from my dad's generation, the greatest generation alive, showed their love was by doing those things. My dad went to bed at 8 o'clock at night, and I hated it. Because they had a, their room didn't have really, it had a sliding kind of a divider thing. And though, did you know, those are paper thin. So you can't watch TV, you can't do nothing, because Dad's asleep. Can't want, do anything. I hated that part. But he was willing to do that because he loved us. And that's the way he showed that he loved us. And we show our kids will love them when we do the things that God has called us to do. Dads are the first line of defense or the shepherds of their family. And if you want to tear up the family, who do you attack? The leader, the shepherd, the father. That's who it is. And how does Satan attack men today? What's the number one problem we have? Men seem, seem to have. Pornography. I never dreamt that in a million years we'd be having this kind of stuff so readily available but it's readily available and profitable. Why? Because people buy it. I don't know why. It just blows my mind. But Satan knows there's, there's something there. And that's the way he, he gets guys. And you say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I don't have to worry about that. Don't you think you do? Because I've known pastors that have got caught up in pornography and almost lost everything because of it. It's not something, if it wasn't such a good trap, the devil wouldn't use it. And ladies, you are the ones that has to help your husbands with this. God called you not only to be his wife, but also to be his lover. 
And I know that men's sex drives and that are, are greater sometimes than women's. And God did that so men would cleave to their wives. That's why. And it's up to us as wives to make sure that we, we are supplying the need of the husband. That's the reality of it, ladies. And if you have a headache every night, you need to get over it. See a doctor. Come talk to me. There's no subject I won't talk about. If you've been here long, you know that. <laughs> I'm not afraid of any subject, and neither is God. God ain't afraid of it either. The reason we have a problem today in society is because nobody will talk about it in the church. The ones that should be talking about this stuff aren't because, they're, oh, no, what are people going to think? What are they going to think? Who cares? I care what God thinks, don't you? So, ladies, it's up to you to help your man so he can cleave to you. That means that he wants to hang on to you like grim death. That's kind of what cleaving is. So if you want your husband to do that, you want to be the, hold that position in his life, you need to do the things you need to do as a wife. The greatest expression of a dad's love can give is his legacy of faith. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And Proverbs 18.10a, the tongue has the power of life and death. Parents, dads, if you're beating your kids up with your tongue, stop it. That old anus is true, you catch more flies with sugar than you do vinegar. And every time you down, tear up, tear down your kids, you're pouring vinegar on them. You're putting salt in their wounds. And God didn't call you to do that, and he's going to hold you accountable if you're doing this to your kids. You are the ones that's supposed to encourage your son, encourage your daughters. I had a, uh, this one series I listened to years and years ago when this kind of stuff kind of started creeping into the, to the church. It should have been there all along. And uh, it talked about, man, I just lost my mind there, the trend of thought. But it just started coming into the church and showing how important this stuff was about building up your kids. Because the dads would tell, their, tell his daughter, so I tell my daughter every day she's beautiful. She's the most gorgeous creature God created in my... Because if he says, if I don't, there's going to be some loser to come along and he's going to tell them. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to pull her right away from the family. But if you're telling it to your daughter, she can say, so what? I know that. My dad tells me that all the time. Isn't that right? So if you want that kind of response, cooperate with your kids. Encourage them. Tell them how great they are. Tell them how wonderful they are with the things that they do. Spend time with them. That's how you spell love, T-I-M-E. Don't let the TV babysit your kids because most of that stuff on that TV isn't good for them. Make them get out of up the couch and go outside and play. We have a generation of kids that don't know how to play. They did away with PE in school. So what's been the result? All we have is, is kids, all, I'll tell you, they had to do this, don't they? You go to a family dinner, you see a family dinner, and nobody's, everybody's at the table, but everybody's like this. Take it away from them. You, you've got to do this kind of stuff. It's called tough love. It's part of it. And if you want to be a dad, God's going to hold you accountable. 
one way or the other. So you might as well cooperate with God because he wants to help you. First uh, Thessalonians 2, 11 and 13. And you know that we are treated, each of you, as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, we encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in the kingdom and glory. As father and mothers, are we raising our kids like this? God's going to hold us accountable. We need to be. Our kids need to not have to worry about being berated by their parents. And I've seen it a lot. Have you? Society, the kid does something. Oh, oh, you're so clumsy. Or you're stupid. I guarantee you, your kid is not stupid. But he will act like it because you're encouraging him to be it. You, your kid will fulfill the prophecy you proclaim over them. In the Old Testament, if you read it, they gave blessings over their children. And those blessings meant something. And when the, a bad blessing was given or a name, in a name was bad, God changed the name. Do you notice that? And that's one of the re- why we hear in the New Testament, I got a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Because when we become a believer, we get a new name. That name that's attached to this world in darkness, that isn't what God's going to call us by. We have a new name. I don't know what it is yet, but I know it's going to be wonderful, and I'll be able to pronounce it and spell it. <laughs> so, we need to make sure that we're doing these things. Mark eight thirty six. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What good is it if you gain the whole world, dads, and lose your children? What good is it? When you grow up, or your kids are going to grow up and they're going to be gone, are they going to want to come back and visit you? If you've done it God's way, they will. Our kids like us now. They didn't like us growing up, but they like us now. Most of the time. <laughs> and they will like you if you just tough love, get through, pray for them. And if you're not praying for your kids, shame on you. I used to tell people, you can tell a parent that has teenagers, a believing um, parent that has teenagers. And you know how that is? You know how you can tell? Look at their knees. They got holes in their knees from trying to raise them, and they're praying for them. (laughs) And it's hard. You pray for them all the time because you want what's best for them. You want God's best for them. Dads, God has commissioned you to share the gospel with your families. And if you aren't doing it, shame on you. We were, uh, I was talking a little bit at Sunday school this morning. I said, you know, it, it's be a shame if when you die and the people come to, the fu- come to your funeral that everybody there will be very surprised to learn that you attend a church. When, and the people that come to your funeral know you're a believer. They will at mine. And any funeral I do, they, do, they will know the plan of salvation whether they like it or not. I just got, uh, not too long ago, preached my mom, my grandma's, my stepmom's funeral. And I'll tell you, I had a captive family audience. <laughs> All right, you want me to do this funeral? You're getting it. Of course, I'd already talked to her about the Lord, so I wasn't really concerned in that aspect. So they may not have liked it, but they got it. And that's the first time any of them ever heard me preach. So I make, took my best shot. In love, of course. As ham sandwiches go, it was perfection. A thick slap of ham, a Fresh bun, crisp lettuce, and plenty of expensive light brown mustard. 
Gourmet mustard. That was the, my jaw was aching in anticipation. I carried it to the picnic table in our backyard, picked it up with both hands, and was stopped by my wife. I said, here, hold Johnny while I go make me a sandwich. Johnny was six weeks old. When I get my, well, I get my sandwich, and uh, I had him balanced between my left elbow and my shoulder and was reaching again for the ham sandwich when I noticed a streak of mustards on my fingers. Now, I love mustard, and I had no napkin, so I licked it off. It was not mustard. <laughs> no one ever put a baby down so fast. It was the first and only time I ran with my tongue protruding out of my mouth. With a wash bag, I did the shine your shoes all over my tongue, trying to get rid of that, that flavor. Later, my wife, after the whole episode cited a little bit, said, now you know why they call that mustard poop on. <laughs> now, maybe you haven't had those experiences, but I've known people that have. Or you go like this with little Johnny, and you go, hi, how you doing? And they puke in your mouth. That ever happened? Uh, that's happened. <coughs> How do I know that's happened? Guess! <laughs> Ladies, if you find yourself doing double duty and being the father and the mother, God can fill the void. He can make it so it is enough. Don't worry about it. Say, oh man, my kids so bad for my kids because I don't have a dad. God will take care of that. When you commit yourself to God, put him first. Raise your kids in a Christian home. Raise them in church. He will fill the void. He will make sure that you do it right. And he will make sure that the impression you leave on those children will be fine. I'm not guaranteeing that outside the church because the world will raise your kids if you don't. Dads, if you're a single dad and you have... No, mom, because your wife died or because of a divorce or you share joint custody and you don't know, how, man, how am I going to do? How am I going to have, have a chance to raise my kid? God can fill the void. You just make sure when you have that custody of that child, you raise them knowing God and doing it God's way and he will fill the void. That's a promise you have. If I couldn't believe that promise from God, I would walk out that door and never come back. Because God has promised to be enough. He will be more than enough. He promised to give us life. And not only life, but give us more abundantly. Now my God has a great, big, abundantly. My abundantly ain't too good, but God's is. So don't worry about it. Kids, if you live in a one-parent or broken home, God can be your mom and your dad. And it doesn't matter how much parents mess up. God can help. Let him. Tell your kids when you've made a mistake. Apologize to your kids when you're wrong. Let them be, see that you admit your mistakes. Because if you do, they'll know it's okay. Because we're going to make mistakes. Anybody here never not made a mistake? Anybody here? No one. I, must, I try not to make them every day, but it seems like I keep doing it. God will fill the void. Let him. Now, I know most of the stuff today has kind of been directed at the Father, but there's enough here, ladies, to give you some stuff, too. Allow your husband to be the head. 
be his helper and he will work it out. No matter what, let the world take their best shot and if you're standing with God, you'll win. Don't worry about it and be aware that if you don't raise your kids, someone else will. And I don't want the world raising my kids, do you? The mess we're in, do you want your kids to inherit that? When I die, I want my kids to remember the fact that I loved them and I raised them the way that you should raise kids, to be honest, law-abiding citizens. My dad had that, even though he wasn't a believer until later in life. I got to lead him to the Lord. That was exciting. It wasn't exciting praying with him just before he died, though. I didn't like that. was hard. <laughs> but we have a promise from God, and I'm thankful. We have a God that loves us, a God that can fill all the voids in our life, because we have a lot of them, aren't you? Don't worry about it. Let God be God, and you just serve him. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, I'm thankful for, again, for, for everyone that's here. I'm thankful for the fathers and the men in this church. We have a great men in this church, and I'm thankful for that. A lot of churches don't have that, and I'm thankful that we do. Committed men to their families, and I know the families are trying to do the best that they can in this world that we live in. But I pray, Lord, that you help us to realize we only got one shot at raising our children. And Lord, if they're grown, Lord, and we haven't done a very good job and, and we've done everything wrong because we didn't serve you, help us to go to them and apologize and use it as an opportunity to talk to them about you. Because, Lord, that, that's our ultimate goal. Not only to raise them, but raise them to know you. So I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as parents to do that. And, Lord, that those young men or young ladies in this congregation, Lord, that if you tarry, will one day grow up and get married and have kids of their own. I pray, Lord, that they will have that desire in their heart right from day one. Because, Lord, that's the only, only regret I have in my life is that I didn't get to raise my kids in a Christian home. But I'm thankful, Lord, that you gave us enough to make sure that we raised them in a, in, in a way, Lord, that they're law-abiding citizens, and I'm thankful for that. Lord, but I pray, Lord, that even though our kids may... Have, have failed to live up to the, our expectations, Lord, and maybe we have kids that are in jail or, or whatever's going on in this world, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Lord, to never give up on them. Help us, Lord, that, that the more they need us, the more we're praying for them. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us as parents. And I pray especially for the men this morning that you'd be quick in their hearts this morning. Let them be the men you created them to be because when, you, when they become what you created them to be, It'll change this world. It'll change our nation. It'll change this community. And it'll change this church in a wonderful way, Lord. So I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know that most people here this morning are believers. And I know that uh, most of the dads that are here are believers. But maybe you're here and you don't know God. And you just kind of just come here and warm the the pew. Because you figure that's your obligation. Get it through for the week. That isn't what God wanted when he died for us. He died for us so we could have a better life. That we can live a relationship. I can't live a religion. I'm, I'm not very good with rules and regulations, are you? I'm not. It seemed like when I was a kid growing up, if they told me not to do something, I was the one that would do it. I didn't have any sense. I did a lot of stupid things. That's the come I ended up with so many head injuries because I was stupid. <laughs> no, I did dumb things. I wasn't stupid. <laughs> But uh, 
If you're here as a dad and you say, you know, I don't, I don't know the Lord, but I want to raise him, raise my kids that way from now on. Anyone this morning? Okay. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for every dad. Because real men are believers. Amen? Show 